Welcome to the School of Forest Podcast, episode 14. Welcome to the School of the Forest Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Russell. This podcast aims to educate you about outdoor living skills, give you a first-person approach to wilderness ecology, and provide you with a glimpse into the different methods people are using for sustainable living. To find out more about our programs, please visit schoolofforest.com. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. It has been, I, I get every podcast I've recorded for the last, I don't know, 13 of these has started with me saying it's been a while since I've been here. Um, and this one is no different. I think the last one we mentioned since like May. So it's been a, uh, it's been a busy couple of months and I am here today joined by uh, part of the reason it's been so busy, which is uh, some of my now friends and former students, Mark and Nora Gordon, who were, uh, or Nora Gordon and Mark Lesniak, I should say. That might sound a little different. Um, but so they were the first students on the Freelance League program here in uh, Southern Vermont. And they're here to talk a little bit about that this last year that they took part in with me. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Great. Yeah. Good, good. Um, so I guess the, the first thing I kind of want to hear from you guys is how did you guys get interested in, like, how did you hear about it and what got you interested in taking part in it? Nora, you want to go first? Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, I just was basically uh, hanging out a lot with Christopher in general and watching him living this interesting life that I hadn't really known existed before um, and was so curious about what it was all about. I had never heard the word bushcraft, um, but I had done a lot of outdoor stuff in my younger days and um, wanted some of the skills and thought it would be a really cool adventure, a learning adventure, something different. Well, um, for me, I've kind of been at the uh, the bushcraft game for, I guess, the last five or six years or so. Um, we had a, uh, a pretty famous instructor who lived pretty close to me in New Jersey. Um, he kind of jumped ship and moved to Kentucky about, uh, I'm going to say, two years ago at this point. And uh, I was just kind of uh, looking for a way to follow up with my instruction. Uh, I had been listening to uh, Tim Smith's uh, Jack Mountain Bushcraft podcast. Um, which uh, Christopher is a regular uh, contributor for. And uh, it just sounded like they had a, a really interesting take on things, um, really good set of systems, and it would have dovetailed really well with what I'd learned up to that point and kind of build on that. And uh, yeah, so essentially I, I heard that episode and I think I emailed you maybe like the day it hit the, uh, the airwaves. And, yeah, uh, you I were in I touch think, pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I got that deposit in like a day or two, and I think you were still in Maine at that point, not even yeah. like, able to receive funds. But yeah, and yeah, so and ended up with you guys. So yeah, yeah, it was. It's uh, you know, the first time you run any kind of program, you're always kind of uh, wondering who's going to sign up and when, and then for you know, you're always nervous when you post like the registration stuff. And then you kind of announce the thing is happening. And then before you can even set up like the website to accept registrations, having somebody get in touch with you was like, I, in my head, it was like, I don't know, it just seemed otherworldly for it to happen that kind of, <laughs> kind of cool. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the actual, um, 
the actual course. Um, I think specifically, like if you guys could talk a little bit about like the high points and the low points for you guys and kind of expand a little bit on that. What was some stuff that uh, when you tell when you tell the the epic tale of your year in the Vermont woods, um, what uh, what is going to be the scary part of the story and what's going to be the like the you know the horns sounding in the background of triumph kind of thing. All well, right, Mark, you're first pointing at time. me, so I guess I'm going first. <laughs> um, so it's funny when I, when I recount this to like uh, my friends and coworkers and everything, like Mark, what the heck are you doing up there? You know, every weekend and like you know, what kind of nonsense have you got into this time? And uh, really, the story that I always tell them is uh, the one overnight with the fire, um, the, the frozen twenty four challenge, basically. And uh, for me, that I mean, I had done things like that in the past, but I mean, doing them in New Jersey, you know, we're looking at high 20s, low 30s. And I think that night we were looking at what, like, it was cold. I remember that. Like, it was definitely in the teens, possibly. It was, I think it was like 15. Yeah. So being out there with um, basically just wood in my wits and, uh, you know, freezing everything off was uh, was a good time. But the thing is, I mean... I don't want to call it a low point, but it definitely wasn't comfortable, but there really is no way to be comfortable with something like that. I mean, you're just kind of like, you're kind of making time, but, uh, but the same token, once that was over and that was, you know, pretty much in the dead center of the program, everything that followed was just so much easier. So looking back, I mean, it was, again, it was like a rite of passage. I mean, going through that kind of like really, established like hey i can be comfortable in the freezing cold hey i've got the meal systems down i can be out there where i can barely move my fingers but still get the fire going still get you know dinner cooked still get breakfast cooked and i mean like it's not comfortable but it's not miserable you know what i mean and uh yeah so i, I would probably say that was the the high both the high and the low point yeah. So just to expand a little bit on that, the, the exercise Mark is talking about um, is you know, these guys essentially showed up and then spent a day putting up wood um, in the middle of winter and then spent the night in front of an open fire with no blankets. Um, and just kind of, I really like the way you put that, just wood in my wits. I think that'll probably, as of right now, that's the tagline for the podcast, <laughs> wood in my wits. Um because, yeah, it's, it is exactly that. It's a rite of passage. I've never had a student participate in it that didn't kind of feel the same way. But I'm curious what Nora has to say about that experience. Because you guys you guys had very different opinions of it the morning yeah. after. And uh, so I'm curious of what, what it looks like in the, in the glowing light of, you know, 80 degree summer days. Well, I was going to say that the low point for me in general um, was sleeping. Um, I'm a total princess. I mean, I'm an outdoorsy human. I spend half my life outside, but I really like a soft, comfy bed. <laughs> and, um, I worked really hard to develop ways to make my bed, um, livable. I really enjoyed, um, making the bow bed in the shelter. And then also I made a bow bed in, in the little shelter that we did the frozen 24 in. Um, and that was like a really nice, um, you know, aha, here's a, here's a way that you can actually 
be, it's not like get the lightest weight three quarter thermal rest you possibly can and then suffer. It was like, oh, this is the bed. I like it. Um, so for me, that was like a nice skill to gain. But I would still say that winter camping is a real challenge for me and not something that I like would choose to do on like an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> but as Mark said, in a pinch, I could. And that's way cool. Um, I think that the Frozen 24 more than anything just, and a lot of things actually we did, uh, gave me an appreciation for the like, the way people lived and still live in a really um, like stripped down way, a resources limited way, and we're still living the life. Like the way that I live today is not the only way that humans can um, thrive. And so um, I think that that's a really great like reminder and also just like, I can, they can, and I can, <laughs> we can all do this. <laughs> yeah. So that actually you talking about the bed nor kind of dovetails with something else that I wanted to get to, which is like skills or experiences and stuff that you think are going to kind of, you know, obviously none of us are living permanently in the woods in a, you know, a shelter that we built with boughs on the floor or anything. But, um, you know, I think a lot of this stuff transfers, um, into your kind of everyday life. I know for a fact that Nora has built a uh, cook rig system out, out in her backyard. And I'm kind of wondering if there's other things like that, that, you know, maybe when you started weren't things you thought you would really, really uh, kind of hold as your own and take with you after the course. I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, for me, definitely the cook system. I mean, that is a complete game changer as far as like, you know, meal prep and things like that. I mean, always like for me, it was, you know, the stupid little Esbit stoves or the, um, you know, the, the propane little burner things. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that thing's scalable from a, a backpacking trip all the way to, you know, a camp for like, you know, a, a dozen people. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. But um, yeah, so I, I would say that um, also the, uh, the paddling skills, I mean, I first started canoeing when I was seven years old, seven years old. So that's like what, you know, 33 years ago. And uh, like, you think, you know it and you think you can do it. And then like all of a sudden you're in a 18 foot boat with, you know, three, four or 500 pounds of gear and people in it. And uh, you gotta, you know, you're in, you know, three inches of water and like, how the heck am I doing this? And uh, yeah, I mean, like I thought I could paddle, but like now I'm confident that like I'm learning how to paddle. <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, we had that, Nora, so we had that one part on the, uh, the Aroostook, I don't know if you remember, but it was almost like we were at the, um, like in a police uh, driving course where we had like basically a whole bunch of series of rocks like, <laughs> set up and I was like weaving in and out of them, like going on the left, going on the right, going on the left. I was like, wow, this is kind of fun, you know? But that's, yeah, that's, that's great. Like as soon as it becomes fun is when it, I think it becomes yours, right? Like if it's. Yeah. If it's just a thing that you're just kind of like beating your head against, then why bother? But if it's something you start to enjoy, then it's something that you're, you're like you said, you're starting to learn how to do it. And because you enjoy it, you're going to keep pursuing that. So what about you, Nora? What do you, what do you think? Um, 
Well, definitely the, the cook system. I love it. Um, had a lovely um, hot cocoa session with a friend after a ski in my backyard and uh, in, I don't know, January. And it was <laughs> really fun. Um, but uh, other things, like just little things keep coming up where I'm like, oh, I could, I could, I know how to make that happen. Um, the knots we learned, I yes, use them all yes, the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, uh, trying to think there was some application in my garden at one point where I was building something and just like feeling more confident using um, sharp tools and wood as a construction tool that isn't, you know, a two by four. Um, and uh, looking around, like going for walks in the woods and I'll be like, ah, there's a, there's a dead conifer, standing dead conifer I could cut down and make a fire in the rain with. Like, um, it's just like a different way of looking at the world. I, the, the famous story for me now in terms of skills, which is really ridiculous, the story, but um, I got lost in the woods, in fact, uh, which again, pretty weird for me. Uh, and I had my dogs with me, but no leashes. And we ended up on a main road far from the car. And I made two aroostics, these like um, hooks that we've been using in the cook rig. And I built them and hung my dogs off of them <laughs> off the road. And I just, like, you know, I like the fact that I feel more resourceful and just like, I can make it work, whatever it is. I feel more like I can make it work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the idea, right? Is that you, you, I mean, I really, it again, it's wood in my wits, right? Like you have a couple simple tools that are uh, kind of, you can do a lot with them because of the different way that you view, view the outdoors. And that's, I mean, that's the goal. Um, and I think, you know, specifically when, when I started planning this course, it was about this idea of fruitless leave and that you didn't need like, you know, if we had started on the Aroostook River in this remote place, then you, the whole thing is framed around needing that place, that remoteness to have this incredible like relationship with the outdoors. But if you start in this kind of, you know, we're relatively rural, but we're not that, uh, that remote here in Vermont. But you're still here every day and you're starting to get to know, or not every day, but every, every session and starting to get to know the ecosystem and how to, how to interact with it in a very specific way that we do. But then it opens up, it opens up a ton of other things for, um, like you say, like walking around. And I've never heard of the Aroostics as a dog leash application, but I, I like it a lot. I, there's often jokes about it, them being used as like a way to climb walls and stuff. But yours is, yours is a new one. And I like that. Um, so with talking about that remote trip, um, you know, you guys kind of mentioned it a little bit already, but was it just like, was it just fun? I would like you to talk about like the, the, how enjoyable it was versus how much it made certain systems and skills that you've been using for the last year kind of hit home, like using that kind of stuff with no infrastructure other than what you put into your boat. Um, I just, I would love to hear what you guys have to say about all of that. I would say um, as far it definitely was a whole lot of fun. And I mean, that's goes with that question. But the thing is, I mean, 
I mean, we'd have been at it for a year at that point. So like all the skills that we had done were like kind of in my blood at that point. And I mean, you know, the stuff like the cook system, the stuff like the tents and, you know, pretty much, you know, the knots, all that, the ax work, that was all there. But I think I was more focusing on the paddling and the pulling at that point. So, and plus it's a whole different animal when you're out there for an entire week and you have like all this gear that you have to maintain all like um, really the real great takeaway for me was um, the gear list, the planning, the itinerary. So all that stuff, I, I think that's where I was kind of learning on the trip. But as far as like the skills, like the camp skills, I think those were already there at that point and kind of allowed me to join, enjoy the trip a lot that much more. Awesome. So, and you just, you just uh, purchased yourself a nice big 17 foot boat, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he, we got an email from Mark the other day, letting us know that he had purchased that boat and that the, uh, the muskrats of New Jersey should be where go out, go out uh, in his boat trapping, which is great. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just got another uh, two dozen conna bears and a couple of stretchers. So, you know, it's, yeah, uh, you're ready to go. That's going to be, I'm great. ready to go. December That's 6th. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. How about you, Nora? Well, I really had a great time on the trip. I'd never done anything like that before. And I'd always thought that, um, you know, wilderness travel involved, again, <laughs> a lot of suffering, you know, like you have to carry all this gear. And so then if you're carrying it all, then you have to like, so I'm picturing hiking, right? So then you have to like basically only eat like freeze-dried packages and you, you know, like you don't have any nice things with you because you can only have one pair of underwear and a toothbrush and like all this stuff. And and that toothbrush has to be sawn in half to save yes. like three ounces, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. So the like comfort and and just like um the the like parallel experience of both like being in this amazing remote beautiful place with like not another human in sight or even sign of human um and like eating really well fresh food having all my comfy gear with me like not feeling bad about bringing an extra blanket um like we the, you know the fact that we could travel and have downtime uh just it was, and, and like, and it was challenging and like exhausting, but I wasn't like, um, dying. Like I didn't hurt terribly <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, like I, all of that is really, um, affirming of my like, interest in that and, and definitely wanting to pursue that mode of being out traveling more. I've always like put off the big backpack trip because I'm like, I just don't have that kind of grit. <laughs> well, let's not forget that we also had chocolate chip cookies on this trip. So, yeah. you know, I mean, come on. And what, Chris, do you want to like our last meal, which was the ultimate in wilderness suffering? It, it was, was uh, pretty, what, it was pretty trout, rough. Chantrelles and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. It's like, yeah, yeah. Was, what did, did you guys have a favorite meal while we were out there? That's always something that comes up is like, oh, do you guys remember the X, Y, Z? Well, the, uh, whatever that thing that Colin threw together was pretty awesome. It was just like this, basically like everything in the kitchen sink that he just kind of threw into a pot and what was like chicken and maple syrup and 
Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I can't remember what that apples uh, and yeah listeners to the uh listeners to the jack mom podcast in order to trey bonaventure wrap up which was a <laughs> meal that we kind of invented after uh getting one of our food boxes wet on a trip on the bonaventure so just kind of having this like stone soup approach to i've got apples and i had this smoked ham and we just kind of created this and then we recreated it um at our own leisure which was yeah that was i love when stuff what about you, Nora? Oh, golly. Um, it was all so good. I have to say, being kind of a, <laughs> a community-minded human and also like we had five tremendous people to hang out with, um, I really loved sharing food. Like that's just so um, lovely at the end of the day to, to like be cooked for or to cook for a whole group and like serve it up, you know, it's like um, really celebratory and um, everyone made something amazing and it was so good. I uh, ate so well. Um, and we did a lot of different techniques on, you know, use the cook rigs in different ways. We, we did the fish on the grill on the side, hung, hung the fish and we baked in the Dutch oven and we, uh, you know, made all sorts of like mixtures and stews and things in the Dutch oven. I mean, just, um, yeah, it was, it was delicious. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I don't know that I've ever had a meal on a trip that was bad. I think it's exactly because of what you're talking about. There's this sort of communal, like at the end of a hard day, you know, even if, even if people aren't cooking together, just sitting around and having food together after like physically working all day, is is that is that is the spice to me that makes everything better. Yeah. So, what? Uh, anything else about the trip that kind of sticks in your brain that you want to share with people? Besides, besides uh, me getting ridiculously shown up at fly. I am not a fly fisherman. Um, I have never been a fly fisherman, um, and so I brought so I brought a fly rod and tried. And figured I was just going to give it a shot. We were at this spot on the Aroostook that is um, a couple of books that we have known as Teddy Ro one of Teddy Roosevelt's favorite fishing holes in the United States. So I was all excited to try this fly fishing stuff out there. And I'm thinking about everything that I've ever heard other fly fishing people talk about and trying to do it right. And just 20 minutes of, of nothing, 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 nothing. And then uh, my lovely partner, Rebecca, um, decided she was going to give it a go and proceeded to move her arm like bam, bam from the Flintstones back and forth as hard as she could. And on the third time doing that, just threw a fish out of the water up onto, like it was it was one of the most like humbling and entertaining experiences I've ever had in my life. And that will stick with me for years. I have had dreams where I've woken up in a cold sweat, just visualizing her arm going back and forth, ripping fish <laughs> out of the water over and over. Um, so that was a good one for me. That'll stick with me for a while. I think. What about you guys? <sighs> well, I really, uh, I think polling is awesome. Yeah. I am a rower and a sailor. Uh, so I don't generally stand up in boats very much. I mean, I stand up to move around, but when the boat's going, like you're sitting down and I also, generally work in water that has a muddy bottom and if you tried to pull with the kind of pull we were using you would just like stop um and 
the dexterity that comes eventually <laughs> was <laughs> really <laughs> was really gratifying. Um, I I feel like and and again, this totally comes from a novice, so I. I'm sure a real whitewater canoeer can do anything with a paddle, but I just felt like I had so much more control with the pole and like could stop immediately if I wanted to, if I was like gonna hit a rock or whatever, like I could stop and go backwards and like all these fancy things that you could learn how to do. And um, it felt really um, cool. Like, oh, I'm I'm totally doing this. kind of like Indiana Jones feeling or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely want to do more of that. I think uh, that's a that's a really great way to move a boat around. I think for me, I mean, the entire trip was really a high point. Uh, it was just kind of the, um, it's going to sound like hokey, but just the rediscovering of time and just not being bound to, you know, uh, I, like, I didn't look at my watch the entire time. And like, you're, you're basically like your sleep schedule. I mean, like the first couple of days we were out there, you know, getting up at six o'clock, you know, a little burdensome, but suddenly you're waking up at a quarter to five and it's like, you know, who cares? And uh, yeah. So, but I think the overarching theme for me was just really having a, a context for everything I kind of do outside and having that context kind of shift on me. And uh, it's just, it used to be like, you know, you have like these disembodied things where like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go deer hunting today, or I'm going to go out and I'm going to go trapping or, you know, whatever. But now it's kind of like, I'm just going to kind of go out and, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do some trapping. Maybe I'll just kind of like chill for a day and just kind of hang out. And it, it's more of just really shifting the focus from like going out to do stuff. Like, you know, like I go to work and I, I need to like, write a thousand lines of code, you know, this week, or I'm going to go to work and I have to like, you know, do the monthly schedule or something like that. But now like I'm going out into the wilderness and I'm just going out there just to go out and whatever happens just kind of happens. Like I'm not going out for like the express purpose of doing something. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, that's, I, that's exactly it. Is that just, just, just being out is enough. Like yep. it's, that's great. That's, I mean, that, you you in like a perfect capstone to the year like that is that is the open air life that we are talking about that is fearlessly that is i just walked out i maybe i wander around in the woods for 10 minutes or maybe i you know track a deer for four hours either way that is a life lived out of the woods a lot of people benefit um so do you guys have, uh, we're getting close to the end time here, but do you guys have any like big plans for future trips in the works now or any like big outdoor adventures you're working on? What's in the future for you guys? Just getting out. Just <laughs> like getting out. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going out with uh, my brother, my father and I, we're, uh, we're going to do some uh, paddling up on the Delaware. That's going to be uh, probably my canoe's inaugural voyage. Oh, awesome. So we'll be doing that, yeah, the end of August. And uh, I'm sure my brother will tip another canoe, which I, I've, I successfully managed to do for the first time in my life and second time in my life while trying to learn how to pull a canoe. <laughs> but, uh, 
yeah, so basically just going out with the family and, you know, I'm going to do some open fire cooking and, yeah, just kind of hang out. How about you, Nora? Uh, no plans at the moment, uh, but I feel very, like, I want to do something in the future. Um, I, I definitely would like to go back to uh, the Northwoods and explore a little more. Um, uh, see if I can drag my family along because they would be thrilled. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'd like to do some more canoeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and I both. Um, cool. Well, thank you guys for being on and thank you for participating in, uh, in the last year of programming. Um, and uh, yeah, if you guys, if anybody in, out in uh, the virtual world listening is interested in that program, you'll find the links below this. And uh, we will see you guys uh, on the flip side with the next, uh, the next episode, which will probably be in another three months. Um, but uh, thank you guys very much for being on and uh, thank you for coming and being my students. Thank you, thank Christopher. You. <laughs> You've been listening to the School of the Forest podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, I hope you share it with a few friends. If you did like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any other of the major podcast hosting platforms. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more about School of the Forest programs, please check us out at schooloftheforest.com and get in touch with us at any of the contact information you'll find on that site. Thanks, 